0: Listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. Welcome to another episode of the Over a Drink podcast. I, full transparency, am sitting here trying to figure out what episode this is. I think it should be 17 if I'm, but when I'm looking at the podcasts that are, everything is one off. So now I'm thinking back to all my previous podcasts and I'm saying, did I, have I been misleading everybody this whole time and just being like, this is episode one plus one. Um, but, uh, I'm super stoked this morning. Again, that word stoked has just been coming up in my life. I don't know what it means. Maybe I keep using it, uh, stoking the fire. My wife talks about it, but we, we have a super cool guest, um, this morning, uh, and his name's Jonathan. He, he is officially an author. He's a published author. He, he lives On the East coast, um, North Carolina, uh, and he is on staff with athletes in action. So Reza was on a couple weeks ago now, uh, and he, uh, he is in a different role than Reza, whereas he works with, uh, he works with professional soccer players, uh, which is super cool. Uh, he is a husband. He is a father. Uh, like I said, he's an author. He's creating content to help athletes transition uh, from being an athlete into being um, a a NARP, as we non-athletic regular person, as we call it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I I'm super excited. I where is mine? I'm drinking water this morning because people keep pounding into me that it's healthy to be hydrated. Um, so I try my best for about three days and then I realize on the fourth day that I haven't had a glass of water and I've only had coffee for the entirety of the day. Um, Jonathan, thank you for joining me this morning. No, Mitch, I'm
1: just honored to be a part of, uh, on the podcast today and share a little bit of my story and, uh, and get to hang out. Like I'm, I'm sipping on some water today. I got my, I'm rocking my, my Yeti cup today.
0: Yes. Uh, So
1: sipping on a little bit of water just so that I can articulate the words that uh, are in my (laughs) mind. In a, in a clear, clear way.
0: Well, you're great at that. You're a good communicator, um, not only through the pen, but you you run a podcast as well. Uh, would you? Well, okay. So yep. I, before we jump into that, the thing that I have been doing, and this is like my favorite thing, not my favorite thing. One, everything's my favorite thing with this podcast. Okay. I love it all. But uh, elevator pitch, 45 seconds. You get 45 seconds to uh, tell me who you are, what you do. Uh, the, you're never going to, I'm going to walk away from this elevator with that is my understanding of Jonathan. Uh, you have 45 seconds.
1: Husband, uh, I'm a father of three beautiful daughters. Uh, and, uh, I basically assist athletes to be at their best. And so in order to do that, I have to be at my best. So best as a husband, as a father, as a man, and in order to inspire and to, uh, spur all those that I work with to be at their best. Hmm.
0: I love that. That's concise. It's great. Uh, I know who you are a little bit better. What are your daughter's names?
1: Uh, Nora, Ellery, and Clara. Oh, pretty names. Those are unique. Yes. They keep me on my toes, challenge me in good ways. Uh, We got athletes, we got creatives, we got intellectuals, we got uh, across the table. Uh, That's awesome. uh, yeah, Yeah. Very, very diverse house in that regard.
0: How long have you and your wife been married?
1: we had just celebrated in august of this year of 2021 uh 20 years
0: holy cow
1: yes crazy absolutely crazy
0: that is 10 times longer than i've been married so congratulations (laughs) wow you've done it (laughs) yeah yeah so it's that's super cool i'm uh if you would real quick about your, yeah. um, if you would want to talk about your book and your podcast, yeah. uh, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I've been working with pro athletes for gosh, 15 plus years now. Uh, and, uh, one of the things that not one of probably ever, not one of them, but every athlete goes through in some point, uh, point in their life is the reality that their sport will end, uh, that yeah. just, that's just life. Right. And so, Uh, that really spurred a lot of just thoughts wrestling in my life, but also in the athletes that I work with. Uh, So the book is called shift. Uh, It is uh, it's the athlete's playbook, five proven steps to life after sport. And it's uh, creates a framework for athletes to navigate through uh, to prepare them for when their sport is eventually gone in their life. So whether they're 16, 17, 18, and just beginning their, their university career or professional career or they're you know 32 33 and married with kids and on the tail end and looking to retire uh, it's it's basically creates it creates this framework for for athletes to be able to successfully navigate to life after playing so uh addressing identity asking that question who am i and who's am i talking about passion desire what drives what drives the athlete uh and then also it creates a, a space to 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 be able to take a step back and go okay what could this next step be? What could it look like uh, as you begin to imagine and think about the future? Just like you would visualize for a game or pre- preparation for an, your next shot, uh, you're visualizing what it could look like ideally. And so it's helping athletes in that same idea, that same mentality for life after. And then there's some practical application uh, from goal setting to understanding daily habits to the power of, of, of routine. You know, it's create, uh, there's a study came out of Duke University that 40% of our day is is habitual. Wow, like you just automatically do it every day. So forty percent of your day you do through habit automatically, and so which is crazy to think about that. So the question is, yeah. So what are those habits, and how do you how do you grow from them? How do you create new ones? How do you create better ones? How do you eliminate the bad habits? So all those types of questions. So that's what Shift does. It creates a framework for athletes to navigate that through that process that's uh, not only going to positively impact them now in the present, but also for what's for whatever that their next career may be.
0: Wow. So. That's super cool. And your, your podcast is in that same vein, correct? It's that's right. It's yep. the, the, the verbal, uh, what came first, the book or the podcast?
1: Uh, the, the, uh, well, the publishing of the book came after the podcast was started a little over a year ago. And I wanted to create a, I believe our stories have power. And, uh, and, and often, uh, the athletes that are heard or seen are those that either, uh, do something really stupid <laughs> and, and then and they're on the news or it's the, it's the athlete that just signed the $150 million contract. Yeah. And more often not, the, it's the athletes that in between that sort of get lost in the shuffle. So the, the hope of really with the shift podcast was to create a platform and a space where athletes could share their story. So share their struggles share their triumphs share the successes along the way as well as uh share what's shaped them to who they are in the, to, to the present and then also talk a little bit about the hope what's to come like what is it that they desire to uh to accomplish or how do they uh, what do they want their their life to count and matter for uh, what, what's the legacy they want to leave and then also there's an eternal impact as well uh that uh that we want to want to see athletes uh experience
0: Wow. That's super cool. So that is the shift podcast and it is the shift book, uh, which is available on Amazon, uh, and Jonathan Van Horn, uh, the author who penned that. And so, um, that's awesome. So, um, that's like, what's going on in your life right now, uh, which is a kind of a, it's a natural, but kind of a choppy segue into your testimony of, uh, Man, we talked before this where I don't really want to give you a uh, template or a, mm-hmm. a starting point. I kind of just want to hand it over to you and say, where do you want to start? Uh, because, yeah, um, yeah I, I just don't want to put any kind of governor on this. So, uh, I Jonathan, if you that. would, yeah, yeah. if you would.
1: Uh, th- there, was a, there was a book by John Maxwell that came out years ago called uh, Thinking for a Change. And, uh, and that book just grabbed my heart uh, because the, re- what it, the premise of it was that in order to continue to grow and develop and to mature, you have to change something. Right? You can't, what, what has got you to where you are today is what you have done. But in order to go somewhere new, you have to do something different. And that's, that's in sport, that's in life, that's across the table. And so I've really been wrestling just internally about this idea of change. So my dad was a pastor. I grew up in the church and they were sitting, you know, left side, front row every Sunday. That was me, right? <laughs> that was, that was what was expected of me. And so there was a sense of being a, a pastor's kid, uh, of uh, even the, the denomination that I was in the traditions there were there, they were always consistent. And so you're taught these things and I don't say buy-in is the right word, but like, you're just, just like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, but as, as I've grown and matured, I start to uh, not in a negative way, but just go, why, like, wh- why do we believe this? Why do I believe this way? Why should I uh, worship in this way or pray in this way or attend this yeah. church and not that church? So all these questions are just not, and like just more of an exploratory going, <clears throat> what is, what is all this? Like, wh- where do I go with this? And, and if, and if I've if from a maturation standpoint, I've gotten to this point, where do I go into the future? Where do I go from from here? Like where do I want my life from a, a connection with with Jesus? What do I want that to look like a year from now, five years from now? Uh what are the things that that God is speaking into my soul, my heart that I want to instill into my daughters and into my wife and my marriage and and the people and the guys and the athletes that I'm I'm mentoring and discipling? Like where where do we go from here? And that's really what's been stirring a lot of my souls. Cause it's, uh, i cause I'm wrestling with that. I'm wrestling hmm. with sense of identity, a sense of self of, okay, God, like what have you done in my heart to get me to this point, but also what needs to to change, whether it's from a thought process, whether it's limiting beliefs or <laughs> frankly, just be, believing some of the wrong things. Like this is totally tradition. And yeah. it's not, Bibli- they've taken the little scripture, you know, half of a, a verse out of the Bible to support this, this church tradition. But the reality is that it's, 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 it's made up. Like there's not really, there's no substance to this tradition, but yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. And so it just, just wrestling with some of those things have really, again, put me into a, a path and a journey of, all right, God, well, like, I, I want, I want God to be glorified through my life. I want, I want to continue to wrestle with this to continue to pursue him, but also knowing that my life here on earth, my choices, my actions, my character, the words that I use, the words that I pen, across the table can have have a ripple effect and an impact in the present in lives of other people. And, and so that it's this idea of change in the present, but also, I think for me, it's the thing of uh, wrestling with as I look at this book is, uh, and then just in my life personally is the generational impact. Hmm. I think that's something for me is that what does it look like to generationally? So not only my daughters, but then also my daughter's husbands and my daughter's kids, my grandkids, like what, what does that begin to look like? What can we do now in order to prepare and plan for, for those moments? And that, and that for me is a lot of what just thinking through, uh, and yeah. And just wrestling with and going, I don't know. Like I, and that's, hmm. yeah. It's, I, and I, I don't have answers right now for in some of those questions, but that's sort of where just wondering, all right, God, like, what are you doing? Like what's, what's happening with this, uh, life doesn't stop because the book is published. That's yeah. just the next step in the, in this journey on life and, and there's opportunities to move forward, but that's. But it's like, yeah, what's, wh- where Where does it got move?
0: Yeah, and I think that you bring up an important thing that I'm learning through these conversations that I'm having is the importance of questioning. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that there is no growth without curiosity uh, because you're not wrong. Like, So as you talk to or speak to these um, – I'm in Col- uh, Colossians right now, and Paul is talking – uh, about like essentially like we're putting to death the idea that you're not following a certain Sabbath day or you're not like you're like like how the yeah. uh, the higher powers of the church it's like it actually says we put to death in um the we put like uh, the spiritual principalities of the world are, are like being put to death in the idea that they they can't enforce these rules that we've and I, like, they come up like jews at the time like we can't blame them because they came from mosaic law <laughs> and so they, right, yeah. they they they've always followed these rules and the rules had good intentions at points but they're not they I, I, that's what paul gets to is that they are inhibiting the way that jesus can love you and mm-hmm. i think what you're speaking to is questioning what in my life routine wise uh what what in my life is a good routine and what is yeah. Is not, and how do I want to pass this on to my, I think past the generational thing is crazy to me. The idea of like what you, the the routines that you have, your daughters are watching you. Yeah. So they're going to pick them up too. And that puts all the more importance to question whether they're healthy or not.
1: Um, <laughs> That's so good. You, there was, and what, I think really what's, we began to spur this was probably about four years ago. I took a class on church history. Uh, it was a seminary class. And one of the highlights of this class was looking at the, the what shaped the church in that century. So it started in the first century, all the way up through the uh, through the twentieth century, and what is like the main theme for each of these centuries. And there was no there was no century that was the same. Mm. it was like that's interesting. like, but yet uh, from a from a scriptural standpoint, from a like. The same components there, but what focused and what and what what has uh, what transpired in that century was different. So they're anywhere from the foca, focus of of monasteries, and there was this big swell of the church becoming like monks and isolation and uh, the contemplative work, and you had that. And then there was the more closely to where we are today. in The nineteenth century was more on, on the focus of missions. Now we had access to boats and other modes of transportation. So the idea of missions and going to the nations uh, figuratively, uh, was, was more at the, at the forefront. And so as we step into the 21st century, I'm like, what's, what's God doing in this, in this new era? Like this idea of, uh, of we can't put new wine in old wine skins. So what is God doing in the church here in the U S but also from a global standpoint uh, within the sport of soccer, like, like I said, I, I, on my team, the guys that I work with that we have maybe a half dozen or so different countries represented uh, in addition to, You know, East Coast, West Coast, uh, you know, Bible Belt South to to Boston or New England and everywhere in between. And so we have these these cultural uh, these athletes coming from cultural significant differences. uh, And they're all in the same locker room. And so so the sport itself is a global sport. And so the in some of these places, how how Christ is worshipped, and how God is communicated, just culturally is going to be a little bit different. Whether like, I said, like just whether I'm someone from from Cameroon or from Jamaica or from Paraguay in South America or coming from uh, uh, from Thailand, it's going to look a little bit different because of the different cultural differences. And so it's like, what does it look like for us as a church to continue to move forward, to continue to grow and develop? And then what is what's my what's my role in that in my space? You know, uh, yeah. we talk about with our girls a lot is that you control what you can control. Like I'm not going to change 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 maybe the world globally, but I can change the world that God has put, put me in. And he's entrusted me to be a good steward of, you know, the 20 square feet around me. So the relationships that I have, how am I honoring and glorifying the Lord in those spaces uh, and be intentional with that. And so that's just, again, that's something that's like, okay, what does that look like? And, and just for the church to grow and mature and become more and more like Christ as his bride, what does that maturation process look like? For us today what's what do we what does it look for us to be responsible and good stewards of that within our context that god has intentionally placed us
0: wow yeah i love i love this fear of influence idea where like i think as people i mean as athletes uh we're given a pretty large sphere of influence people care what athlete for some mm-hmm. reason athletes i mean athletes are given this influence uh and whether they steward it well or not is mm-hmm. debatable uh yeah but i think that you are in such a place where you're able to teach these these large influential people how to choose i mean and at the end it boils down to agency like you can't force them to act responsibly and be good yeah. examples but you can definitely help them build the foundation so when they do make those decisions that they are coming from a place that is um empowering and not necessarily degrading um which i love i i um and that at all then like you said earlier like if you're not a um uh, In a healthy place as a man, father, husband, Christ follower, then that then pours into, bleeds into how you disciple people, Um, because truly that's what you're doing. And so I think I I have a question. um, What would, because I think we all, I mean, we are all called to be disciples. And so for me to say, I am a disciple. And then for me to use the verb, how I disciple, um, I, I don't think is wrong. I think everyone that's listening to this is a disciple. It's just whether you choose to claim it or not. And so um, I, I am a, dis- I disciple people and how I disciple is so impacted by the lens that I see the world through, which yes. is created by the world that I've lived or the life that I've lived. Yes. What, what would you say is. Um, if you could look back at a crossroads moment, or you could look back at, back at a, um, my wife calls them marking moments, like that moment so marked okay. me. Yeah. Um, if you, do you have, does something pop to mind where you're like, like, so to give you an example, like me, I, 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 Almost exclusively, not exclusively, but I, a lot of my conversations are through the lens of like, I understand your struggle with that mental because I've dealt with something similar to that. Like, um, let me help you walk through that. Like the purpose of this podcast is to put purpose to pain. And so like, is there a moment in your life where you're like, this is when I went this direction and started doing this, this way?
1: Yeah, there was. Uh, it's. I actually talk about it, a lot of it in uh, in my book. And what spurred a lot of this is that uh, I was brought up in the church, but as a pastor, uh, and there was really uh, put my faith in Christ when I was 14, a little bit later than maybe traditional uh, pastors' kids. But uh, <laughs> what it was interesting was was that it wasn't until so it was 10 years ago, so early 30s. When uh, when we moved to North Carolina, uh, we had over the span of three months, they say the the most significant uh, just transitions that everyone people experience is uh, having a kid born, uh, changing jobs or or moving. And in the span of three months, we did uh, we did all three. Uh, We Mm -hmm. moved from Ohio to North Carolina. I took a new job here in North Carolina and our third daughter was born uh and what was interesting in in that moment i said i detailed this initially in the the book about what spurred a lot of the 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 content was i began having these feelings of uh just identity of purpose of direction i knew where i wanted to go but there was just something that wasn't still in my soul and i'm like what the heck is going on like what god what are you doing like what where is this and it was a sense of uh, i was spinning my my wheels if you will but i felt like i was still moving forward but it was still like it was just it was a bit convoluted it's it's that when you're like half yeah like you're half awake and you're you know you're moving but there's like you can't really see where you are like when yeah. you first wake up in the morning like that type and and as I began to really dive into what was what I was my what I was experiencing what I, what was happening was that I began to uh, uh, realize that a lot of what I was feeling was was when I was 22 23 24 and I stopped competing at a high level at a lead level mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what's going on here? Like, this is, this is, this isn't new, but I haven't felt this in a long time. And what's interesting about how God's created our bodies that there's a great book out there called our body keeps score. Mm. And is that when we go through different aspects of life, our body actually tracks those traumatic and successful moments, those moments. And that are those mile markers that are Mark. What is it? What do you like? Call them markers.
0: Yeah. Moments that marked her.
1: Yeah, moments of my like our body actually keeps store of how we experienced that, how we felt in those moments. Uh and so so I was experiencing all this significant transition and and I was realizing I, I felt this before, but I didn't know where or why. And as I began mm-hmm. to journal wrestle through that, I was like, oh this I I'm feeling this insecurity of not knowing what the next step will be. I I'm moving to a new job, new location. Uh we knew some people, not a lot, uh, family that our family connection and uh close community that we had in Ohio was now gone. And so will we have that again? Will we, is that something that we can help like all of these unknowns? Uh, and again, sense of self and direction was really clear in Ohio, but wasn't really as clear in North Carolina. So we're going through all these things. And so wrestling with that and realizing, all right, God, like what's happening in this space. And so I began to feel all of all these things. And, and that was, for me, was really, was, uh, was 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 liberating was freeing uh but also it was a little scary because <laughs> hmm. it's a sense of loss of self of like oh man what's what's happening here what's do it does this is this was this really the the right decision is this what should I, should we have done this like all like again those questions of doubt and unknown and uncertainty yeah uh but still going this is the right step and so we're going to trust the Lord in this process. So we're going to continue to move forward with this. But it was just, it was interesting as I began to explore and what God was working in my soul in those moments was that he was tying it back to when I stopped playing and competing. Hmm. Cause back then when, back when I was 23 and like really, really about 24 when I really stopped focusing on training and trying to play and all that uh, was, uh, was a sense of loss. And there was a grieving process that I went through yeah. and, and, I, and I did what most athletes do you don't sit and think about it and wrestle in those spaces you just grind through it and just push keep pushing I got this I'm gonna push harder work harder longer hours or you know study more or whatever fill in the blank and it was I never really took the time to actually go okay what's happening in my soul here? what's God stirring what am I wrestling with and so that was for me it was really when that happened you know fast forward 10 years later and I was did all these transitions uh within, within life all these feelings and emotions came bubbling back in. And that was really, again, the God really began to stir in me a lot. And that's what a lot of where the book came out of was it from that experience. Cause I realized I'm not the only one because I'm hearing the same stories from other athletes. They're talking about the same issues. And I'm like, yeah. this is significant, Like we need to address this and talk about this. But also uh, from a, from a faith perspective, but also there's a lot of, of other athletes in the world that, that don't know, have a faith in Christ that don't know, know him. And, Opportunity to step into these places and to give a voice of hope, a mm. place of, uh, of uh, be a voice of peace uh, and, uh, and a, a place where people can go, oh, I, I can actually have an identity that isn't fixated on something that can be taken away as in my sport being taken away. That I can be known as a, a child of the king, that I can be fully loved, fully forgiven, being righteous and holy before the Lord. And that's something that can never be taken away regardless of whether I'm a pro athlete or I'm a, in marketing or I'm a coach or would fill in the blank. And that was really for me transformational, and then also now being able to instill that into the athlete and seeing that transformation take place has been significant.
0: He's like he's redeeming. I think that. Well, first of all, he's like putting purpose to pain because, and and maybe if I'm tell me if I'm wrong, but as I sit there, I'm resonating with you in the fact of like when I quit my sport or I stop playing my sport, stop pursuing the next level of my sport the next thing i think i think it's downplayed by a lot of people like oh you just don't play football anymore or like you don't play and you played soccer because you said training so i'm assuming yeah, it's
1: soccer yeah yeah, yeah. Soccer, yeah
0: so oh you just don't play soccer anymore but like and so i think that partially as i did that like i just kind of accepted that like that part of my life like wasn't that big of a deal Like, oh, yeah, it's just, yep, I stopped playing. And, like, we don't give weight to the fact that, like, for most athletes, or if if you're not an athlete, if you're, um, I'm trying to, as I'm sitting, I'm, like, processing, I'm, like, if I were to ask my wife, who is a worship leader and has been singing her whole life just to stop singing, like, what piece of her Like what piece of her life, like, that's like a huge part of her life. And like, we would grieve that together and mourn that. And like, but in sports so often, it's like, you're playing a game, you're fine. Like you're going on to the next thing, go start your job. And for me, it was like, well, yeah, but I also have devoted hundreds of thousands of hours, (laughs) like, like literally if it growing up, it was I would say that it, it dominated the pie chart. That is my time. Um, yeah. Like uh, and so as you're saying that, like, I think it's, it's not abnormal for the Lord to draw. Cause I mean, I think we learn and like pain is the emotion that I think sculpts and moves uh, most significantly. Like uh, when something hurts you, it drives like instant run from that hurt right like nobody ever really yeah. leans into the hurt and so yeah um i think that for you for him to be like hey remember that hurt like that's important to talk about let's talk about it mm-hmm. um and man i that's a i've never thought about it that way and the fact that like you talked about so when you when you said there's three i don't know what the the, na- the adjective was that you said but the three the three things having a kid moving switching jobs uh yeah
1: uh, yeah, just significant. Yeah. Significant significant, transition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I had a friend, he actually came on here. Um, his name's Chad, who he just moved his family to Austin from Denver. And he talked about how trauma is one of the top or moving is one of the top traumas that people experience. And I would wonder what, like, cause I could say that I would be able to put in the trauma bucket, quitting my sport. Like, um, it is traumatic, uh, it is a part of you that, and then, but you pair, I think when you don't have, I think it's even hard with, like with Jesus, but it's so much harder without, because with Jesus, I understand that. Yes, I have my hope in Jesus, but I still really liked football. Like I still really right. loved yeah. it. Like, it, yeah. it, like I think that there are a lot of athletes, myself included, who make it a God um, and who make it, who put it on a pedestal above Jesus. Um, but that doesn't distract from the fact that it still sucks to lose. Um, if you're yeah. not a, if you're not a, like, I, I think to like, if you're not an athlete, maybe you're an artist. Like if someone were to tell me, Hey Mitch, you can never draw again, never get to pick up a pencil and draw again. That would be Traumatizing. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, wow, I've never thought about it that way. And so like yeah. your book, your book is the product of your pain. And so like you are putting mm-hmm. um and as as weak as that, and like, not weak. I think it's like a I the instant stigma that I think of that is like people are like, dude, it's just, it's a game. You you're fine, like suck it up. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. and so, but like you, it was painful to you and to me. Yeah. To lose our sports, absolutely,
1: yeah. Well, again, and I think and what's interesting is that so often, uh, when, when you're younger and growing up, like especially the late early teen to late teen years, uh, and like I said, you spent how many we can't quantify. Well, we took a bit a lot of time, we can probably quantify <laughs> the number of hours we've spent in our sports, but like it's you're talking thousands of hours, and so much of that early life, of like to that 12, 13, 14 to like 16. So much of how you view self, your identity, is shaped in those moments, and so yeah. that's when that's when your, like I said, your sense of self is moving. Your identity is moving away from your your fam- your immediate family, to your peers and the space around you. And if your whole life is engrossed in your sport, so much of your sense of self and identity and value and significance is derived from the sport. Mm-hmm. And especially in sports where you're changing teams to teams. So like in soccer, like I'd go, I'd do a high school team. And then i do a club team. And then i do a, back then it was called Olympic Development Program. So I'd go my ODP, ODP team. So it's the same age group, but I'm in different teams all the time. And so different teammates, different coaches, different players. But the one thing that was consistent was the sport yeah. and the success or the failure of the sport. And so, so much of my identity and sense of self and significance came from the sport itself. And because of everything else was changing. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, my, my friends all changed. Uh, my that my teammates would change, the coaches would change, but the one constant was the sport. And so, mm-hmm. so much of of how I viewed the lens through which I viewed myself, even though I, was, I grew up in the church, had a relationship with Jesus, still so much of my life was so focused on this one thing that my again my identity and and who I am was and also whose I am was tied to tied to soccer.
0: Yeah. And then you
1: rip that away, and it's like. The sense of being fully exposed of oh my gosh what does this actually mean like who who am I like what, what who, who without this game who, who am I I would introduce myself hey I'm Jonathan Van Horn I play soccer or I'm yeah. the soccer player with or I'm the so- I have re- I have read for my listeners I have red hair so I'm the I'm the redheaded soccer player like that's yeah. how I would introduce myself. And so, some as athletes, that's how often how we describe when people who are you. Well, um, I play football, I play baseball, I play hockey, yeah. I play, I run track. Right? You know, that's how you define yourself. And then, in an instant, more often than not, it's not your choice to walk away. It's chosen for you, whether yeah. it's through gradu- graduation or you're you're released and cut from your pro contract, or you're you have a career-ending injury. More often than not, it's not your choice to leave the sport. And so you're having this sense of self then ripped away from you. It's like your heart's being ripped out of your chest <laughs> and you're left there going, What do I do now? I don't know. And that's, and again, that's where a lot of the struggle, uh, like I said, I wrestle with that. And there's not, I don't think there's an athlete in the world that hasn't wrestled with that in one way or another. No. And so the no. sense of, yeah. So go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, like, the sense of self, I was I was thinking to like the pervasiveness of I want to say hobby because or not even hobby of passion. Um, cause like yeah. sports are, but like when you were saying quantifying the hours, I was like, okay, I can quantify game and practice hours, but it shaped how I interacted with my parents. It shaped my social yeah. life, it shaped who my friends were. I ate a certain way because of my sport. I took classes in college because it fit around my practice schedule. It like, Mm -hmm. it like, so you really, like, I could honestly say other than sleeping, which I slept, I went to sleep at a certain time so that I could wake up at a certain time for sports, (laughs) like, like literally 20 to 24 hours a day were consumed not consumed by the practice itself but were influenced by by, the, by my sport. sport so when you take yeah. that out it's like okay um i don't really know what i want to study because i kind of just yeah. chose classes that fit my schedule i don't right. really know what i want to eat because i've eaten this to fuel my body and now yeah. and i've avoided this because that that wasn't fueling my body i don't really know what to talk to my parents about i don't know how to introduce myself. Like you, like I, I am Mitch, but what else do I do? Like, um, I am no longer a drummer. Like I'm like, I don't drum anymore. I don't snowboard anymore. I don't, how do I, I don't want to be defined by, Hey, I'm Mitch, the glove salesman. Like, I don't want that (laughs) to be like, right. Yeah. But like when it came down to it, it's like, okay. Then it's like, okay. That kind of challenges you to be like, I'm Mitch. The husband, like what does Mitch the husband hat look like? Or what does Mitch the yeah. father coming up? Yeah. Holy cow, um, look
1: like. Well, uh and and I think that's something that the wrestling with that, when it comes to the divorce, uh even having kids, what happens more often than not is as they transition, whether they're married, if they get divorced, then I'm no longer, you know, Jonathan the husband, I'm now Jonathan the ex-husband or yeah. whatever it may be, even having kids. So you see this unhealthy imbalance then of taking your identity from your sport and then putting it onto your child or putting it onto your spouse. And so as a result of that, there's an unhealthy, there's an unhealthy imbalance or over, over, I don't know, domineering sense of who you are based on someone else. So then your expectations for that someone else, uh, skyrockets because, well, hey kid, I love you. So much of who I am is tied up to that. So that's we get these crazy parents, like coach, as well. So we get these crazy parents in the sideline because so much of their identity and sense of value and significance is based on how well their kid performs in U six soccer, whether they yeah. score a goal or not. And your parents are going bonkers because there's again their sense of sense self and identity has been taken away because of their sport. and It's been superimposed into something else. That's why you have people so focused on their sales numbers or how much real estate or the house and all these different things. Is because again, they're they're taking what was lost in their identity as an athlete and then superimposing onto something else. And and wow. at the end of the day, from a, from a faith perspective, is that our identity needs to be fixed and foundationally on something or in something. More importantly, in someone that can't yeah. be taken away, and wow. that's where Christ comes in. So when our when our sense of self and identity is based on who we are in Christ, how God sees us as his as his child, son or daughter. And so with, there'll be other components to the absolute. I'm a dad. I, I'm a husband. Yes. I work with athletes. Yes. I, I live in North. There's other aspects. I'm a Van Horn. So yes, those are other aspects. But the foundational essence of who I am and sense of self is fixated in Christ and who how Christ sees me as his son. Mm. And that can never be removed. And so the, the journey that I've been on as we navigate these different changes and transitions, how do I hold tightly to that truth of, of my faith in Christ and who I am in Christ and and holding true to that but also realizing there are other aspects because I am changing there's going to be because as humans we're always growing and developing sanctification maturation all these different things because of that my some of my likes and dislikes will also change yeah like there's things that I enjoyed today that I didn't like 10 years ago and that and that's okay yeah and so, and so but the core essence of self who i am is, is hey i'm a beloved child of the king and so that's remained fixed so my sense of self and identity is fixated in christ but also knowing there's other aspects of of my identity that can change and can morph and can develop and grow and mature and that's okay yeah and so that's just a reality and that's yeah and that's but if that core essence of who i am is not fixated in something that can't be taken away you're you're like you know you're like the wind the way you know the, the boat on the waves being tossed to and fro and whatever yeah. direction the wind comes from you're gonna be moved in that direction. So whether it's sport, marketing, business, entrepreneurship, husband, father, whatever it may be, your sense of self is gonna be ripped out of your chest. And those traumatic moments of transition occur because it's life. Yeah. Uh, again, you you begin. That's where that trauma and brokenness really takes place.
0: Wow, that's really good. I love that um I don't know as you as you're talking about like self identity and like ripping out these parts that you identify with that are outside of it makes me wonder like as an athlete or and maybe different enneagrams or like are you an enneagram guy do you, do you know the
1: enneagram I am uh, I'm an enneagram 3
0: so am I so which is I think a lot of athletes are these 3s where their worth is put into what I can do for you and so Um, it makes me question like my view of self might be so low that I don't think that I can stand alone by like, I am Mitch period. And like you are Jonathan period. I always need to follow it with, I am Mitch this, I am Mitch. This is what I can provide for you. I am even as like a father or a a son or a husband, I am Mitch Mm -hmm. the good husband. I hope like, um, and like, It makes me want, like, when you talk about, like, okay, now, like, it makes me question curiosity. Like, what do I, how do I really see myself in Jesus? Because Mm -hmm. if I can't stand alone with, I am Mitch, the follower of Jesus, then where do I put the weight of that? Like, why can't I just be that? And I want to be that, but then I think my humanity doesn't allow me to at times, um, which is so important that that that's what you're teaching people. Because I think as we learn in uh, sports, but also in life, like repetition is key, like getting reps is Mm -hmm. key. And so for me to identify, hey, maybe like that's something that you should look at, shine a light on is the fact that you can't stand alone in what you are. Like you have to, you have to couple it with something. Why is that? And so when I recognize it, then I address it, but I am not perfect. And every time I'm not going to be able to like, it's not all of a sudden recognize, recognize it. Wow. Recognition recognition to auto correction. It is like, it is recognition. And now, okay, now we have something to work towards because I want to confidently say I am a son of God son of Jesus mm-hmm. who stands confidently in that. And that is it. That's all that I am. Yeah. Everything else is auxiliary. Everything else, like you're saying, can change.
1: Yeah. And, and being okay in that space. Like, that's one of the hard things. It's like, it's one thing to say that. And then you sort of hit that sort of that pregnant pause and they, oh, and also this. And it's like, no, yeah. no, 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 you, you, no, 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 You gotta, it's, it's, that's it. It's just, it's you in Christ. And that's it. And that, that, that's enough. Yeah, and that was I think one of the things that I've been I continually just talking about with my just some of my self talk, but I'm a firm believer in self talk and reinforcing things through scripture memory or just phrases, is that is that God sees me, I'm seen, uh, and and I am enough. Hmm. It's not it's not me and my works that will uh, earn me to heaven. It's not me and my mentality or my actions or my intellect. Or my communication, or my writing prowess, that will allow me to get to God. It's it's me. Hmm. That's it, and it's it's that faith that I've placed in Christ, saying, "Okay, God, you, and what you've done for me on the cross is enough," and being okay with that, and that's it. It's enough. So I'm seen, and I'm enough. Like that. Having those two thoughts is like is so is so important and challenging for me because I always like I said I, I always want to add something else. I'm like yes. It's That but it's also this, and I said, like, No, 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 no. And God's like, No, 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 it's okay, no, it's not, it's not, it's not, and there's no and, it's it, that's enough. I see you, and you're enough. And that's mm. again, it's hard for me because I want to add, but also, it's also challenge. it's also, it's also, um, it's encouraging and affirming in the sense that I don't have to continue to add on top of what's expected, like it's,
0: it's you, yeah, that's, you are yeah. enough and you it's changing like like you weren't an author five years ago you weren't a husband 21 years ago you weren't a a dad i don't how old is your oldest she's she be 15 this year so 15 years ago 15 years ago you weren't a dad and so all of these things are being added on to you but at the beginning you weren't those right and i think that that's a cool idea that like man i'm about to have a baby well by this point point, you this episode comes out i will have had a baby god willing right. i don't yeah i don't want her to be three weeks late uh that would be not good
1: <laughs> that wouldn't be good no right. <laughs> um
0: but at this point like when she comes out of the out of the womb she is like enough for god. like right now in the womb yeah. she is enough for god right like right. he doesn't need her to be like all right well this is Benny and Benny is the perfect one-year-old. She is the perfect one-year-old who she can read and yeah. write. And she's actually, she has a Ted talk coming out soon. Um, like that God doesn't nope. need that. Nope. Okay. Like, um, right. and I think that that's hard for us to fathom. Cause like, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's a cool thought that what you brought up. So I really appreciate you doing that. That's um, so, so with that, I want to, I want to recognize one, or I give you an opportunity uh, to speak into that a little bit more Mm -hmm. from a different angle. Um, You mentioned self-talk, but for someone who's listening to this, who wrestles with identity, um, what is one like challenging practice that you could Mm. recommend that you have done. uh, Because I think I'm, 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 there's little things that keep happening on this that I'm like, I like that. I'm going to maybe imply like, it's it's, like, I'm going to implement that into the next one. And like, it's been this kind of like a call to arms or like a challenge. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I think I'm right. So I told you I'm writing a book. um, And I stumbled across in church yesterday, this, I haven't had a title for it and I think that it's going to be something along the lines of like uh memoirs of the broken soldiers or like like creating creating an army from broken soldiers something along the or like broken yeah. toys something along the line of like I believe that I am a broken toy sometimes but that doesn't mean that I don't have value to add that I can't fight right. um and so yeah. like so like for you it's um you recognize I have, I've had this issue in my life of um, my self-worth. How do I see myself or my identity? Um, how do you come? How do you then, how can we come weaponize it and combat that yeah, that's good. for somebody else?
1: Yeah. There's a, a couple of things that uh, that there's really two things that really come to mind as you ask that question. It's a really good question. Uh, is that uh, often, so in life, when you experience an, an event, uh, what happens is in your brains, you you tell yourself a story, you feel an emotion, and then you respond with behavior. So that and that happens. Our brain, the way our brains wired and how God's created our brains, you're talking milliseconds. Mm. That's why uh, you can have a moment and you just also do some sort of outburst and just like yell something or whatever. And all of a sudden, your cognitive side kicks in. And you're like, wait, what just happened? Why did I do that? And it's because what's happened is that you, ex, you, you experienced something and you told your, your brain told your body a story or your body told you the story, you felt an emotion, one of the, you know, there's your, your, your big six negatives are plus joy. So you felt an emotion and then your behavior responded. And so the question that, I, that you're at, we have to ask ourselves as we grow and, and mature and develop is that what's the story that I'm telling myself? Mm -hmm. And so there's a a process called the Emmanuel process. And it's a time of just connecting, uh, connecting with the father. Uh, It's also allowing the Holy spirit to work in your heart and soul to begin to reveal the stories that we're telling ourselves. So it's a, and a practice of uh, inviting God into your present and into into your mind and just in your, in your say, Lord speak into my life. Uh, You start with from a place of joy. That's the way our brain functions and is designed to work at its optimal. So it's having a place of joy so and a joy memory. and then from there, uh, it's it's okay, what was happening in this moment? what was I thinking? what was what story did I tell myself? and you step into those those tra- traumatic moments, those traumatic stories and you're inviting the Holy Spirit into those spaces and you're going, Jesus, where were you with it in this moment? Mm-hmm. So I yelled at my kids, God Jesus what, what was going on in that moment? Uh, what was happening and you know in this moment uh, and I'll just I'll just share a, a quick story when I first started practicing this, I'm like, why am I so driven? What is it in me that's pursuing perfection in all that I do as an athlete? And as I was wrestling with this, and then feeling bad about myself, like, oh, I must suck. I'm bad because I can't. I can't do this. I can't score a goal. Or I can't uh, make the basket. Play basketball, so I can't. You know, missing so many shots. or I can't do a free throw. Like, I have these negative, negative thoughts in my head, and I started. So I started praying. I'm like, well, what's going on in my soul here? What's happening here in this moment? And as I was praying through this, starting from a place of joy and then praying through this, these negative thoughts or these, this negative self-talk, I was like, Lord, reveal to me what story I'm telling myself. And it brought me to a story, a, <laughs> a memory uh, when I was eight years old and uh, the church, uh, we lived in an apartment complex. I was a bit mischievous. Uh, it was a Sunday morning and the church actually met in the basement of this apartment complex. And uh, again, I was a bit mischievous, so... We lived in the third floor of this three three three-storied, uh, apartment complex. Well, I I pulled a, a step ladder out uh, of the, uh, the 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 like the, 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 the tool closet. My dad is already downstairs in the basement dad was a pastor. she's already down in the basement prepping for church. My mom was getting ready, and I grabbed the, the ladder uh, and I crawled <laughs> under the roof. So it was a flat roof, and so I was eight years old. I climbed up on the roof. It was sunny out in the summer, and I, I <laughs> again I was mischievous. And I started running around on the roof. Like I was just having a blast. I'm like, this is awesome. I have all the space. I'm running around. This is great. And you know, it was a beautiful day. I was doing that. Well, uh, it had rained a couple of days before that, and there were still some remnants of water on this rubber, this rubber roof. Well, as I was running, my foot caught the edge of one of these little puddles and water and rubber, it was slick. And I slipped and I slid into the puddle and I had this rubber, gunk, black stuff all on my I'd already been I'm dressed for church all up and down my side and on my shorts, brand new Sunday best. You know, that was my outfit that I had to wear for, you know, all that stuff. And so I'm crying. I come downstairs and there's this moment of, of my, my mom was just, she was just frustrated and like, what are you, what? Like you're on the roof. Like what, what are you, what are you doing? And you fell and oh my God, it was just this huge moment. And as my eight year old self, I, what I took from that was for me to be loved I need to be perfect. I can't mm. make mistakes. I can't I can't be curious. I have to do things the what do things the way that I'm being told to do or being taught to do. Mm. And so I superimpose that thought onto my sport. In order to be loved and valued as an athlete, I have to be perfect. I have to my technique has to be perfect. I have to make every shot. I have to fill in the blank. And it was this moment of of, of healing from that traumatic event of God said I see you. You are fully loved. You are yeah. you are accepted. Uh, and, there's just this, and it was just you know, just like oh my gosh, like that's cr-. like it was just. And this was probably about maybe like maybe seven, eight years ago when I had this, this moment with the Lord, and I was like oh my gosh, this is crazy. And so just this going through this manual process of what story am I telling myself as I go through the day? What stories yeah. am I continuing? What stories are on repeat? Because uh, like I said, our bodies keep score, so these stories are on repeat in our minds. so what what story am I continually telling myself as I experience different life? Uh, different moments in in our in our life so that's the first one there's some really great resources on it it's a a manual journaling process uh really really it's something really impactful for me and then the other one is is tied directly to that in regards to our our limiting beliefs i call it the six r cycle uh the six r cycle is uh is recognizing the the limiting beliefs the self-talk that i'm telling myself you're rejecting the limiting belief that's the second r the third is replacing it with the truth so, uh, I'm, I'm not good enough because of X, Y, and Z, or, uh, I'm not smart enough, or I can never do that. And so those those limiting beliefs. So replacing those, re- those limiting beliefs with, uh, with the truth. And then you mentioned as far as repetition, you got to get your reps in. And so it's uh, just continue to remind yourself over and over of that truth. Uh, and then, uh, you're, then you're continuing to, to reinforce it. And that's, uh, you're putting, uh, you're putting the, uh, for, uh, like a, a wall, like a, a wall around a city protect the city. It's that you're doing this action, and then you're reinforcing by protecting that truth about who you are. And then this, the, the last R is repeat, is that we have a lot of these thoughts because of our story, because of our experiences, where we've bought into these limiting beliefs. And it's you're, I think the beauty of being human is that you continue to, get to grow and mature and develop for the totality of your life. Wow. Um, so yeah, those are probably the two things for me that have been really significant: the manual process and the six R cycle.
0: Wow. And I will, uh, I'll include a link, um, in the show notes for both the podcast, the book, uh, the Emanuel process, and then the, the limiting, uh, where was it? it was the five, five sorry.
1: Yeah. The, the six hour
0: cycle. The six hour cycle. It's, um, yep. I, I, I will put so those resources, um, there for you because, um, again, this, this podcast is, edge root is a resource for you. It's a weapon for you, uh, because, mm-hmm. uh, man, you're not in this alone. Uh, you're right. not in this, we're not made to be in it alone. And so Jonathan, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom, sharing your insight, sharing, uh, putting purpose to, to pain. And, uh, truly, I think just talking. That's the thing with this podcast. Is I've come down to the root, to the I've boiled it all the way down to. I just want to get men talking, Uh, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk, and then oh, okay, reps, <laughs> reps as I start to talk and talk, and like eventually we will be comfortable talking that I can talk to you more than about fantasy football, and then I can ask you how your life is at home, and you can be comfortable mm-hmm. to talk. Like it's not this. We're not going to go from crawling to running of nine second hundred meter i don't even know if that's a fast i don't know running I don't know, but like that's feels really fast yeah <laughs> um but like we we aren't gonna do that but we're gonna take swings and so jonathan i I appreciate or swings i should clarify that we're gonna take swings at this this um structure of of silence between men um this mm-hmm. stigma of sharing and stigma stigma of weakness for sharing and so Jonathan, thank you for, for sharing, for coming on. Um, I really appreciate you. Um, thank you.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: Yeah. And well guys, until next time, guys and girls, cause I'm learning that there are equal parts that listen to this podcast. So that's super cool. Um, but until next time, peace. Thank you, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the over a drink podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the podcast and on Twitter at over underscore a underscore drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then resend it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode, peace.